It's not just a game, it's not just a grass. Lawn Solutions Australia is the exclusive home of Australia's best sports turf varieties. For the world's best grasses like Tiff Tough Hybrid Bermuda and Sir Grange Zoysia, contact Lawn Solutions Australia at lawnsolutionsaustralia.com.au. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of The Thing About Golf, Golf Australia Magazine's ongoing project to try to uncover the multitude of reasons people get hooked on this game. Rod Morrie's my name and on this episode we're going to hear one of the sorts of stories that I think is among the game's most important. All too often in the media we focus on the professional game and while that's understandable, it also leaves many great and worthy tales untold. Today's guest has just such a story. Chances are you haven't heard of a Zion Wasegi, but the work he's doing to introduce golf to kids in Uganda is truly inspiring stuff. Using his own money and working tirelessly to make access possible for any youngster who's interested, Zion has built the Afreya Golf Academy, a program which is now running in clubs across the African nation. It's the sort of program which the game's administrators should not only be supporting, but actively driving, though thanks to the work of selfless types like Isaiah, they don't have to. Isaiah's story is a stirring one, and it shows how golf can and is so much more than just a pastime for some people. The game would be better off if we had a whole lot more Isaiah Mwasegis. Well, as I am Wasegi, which I will get wrong more often than I get right, as we just discussed, the first thing I must say is thank you for joining us. It's quite a commitment to do the thing about golf podcasts, so it's fabulous to have you along. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rod, for inviting me to this very podcast to share about my story. Is I, what's the thing about golf for you? That's our jumping off point in the podcast. Actually, before I begin my story, like I must say like what Obama said. Obama once said, Change will not come if you wait for some other person or some other time. Mm. We are the we are the open we are open ones we have been waiting for. So this is the same thing that happens to me and I believe this is what we're all trying to do as a free golf academy. It's change the game of golf in Uganda and Africa as a continent. Yes, indeed. But we'll come to the Free Academy uh shortly. Why golf, I guess, is my question, is I, and how did you find golf or did golf find you? Yeah, so uh, actually my game of golf roots back to the way back in 2003 when I was just home and a caddy was passing by home and invited me to become a golf caddy. So I didn't know what golf was all about. So that's how my golf journey started. So uh, while I was at home, because I was staying with my brother after losing my parents, and then this very young man was like, Isaiah, if you don't know about golf, it's something that can enable you to have a living. Or like, that's something I would be so much passionate to learn about. So the little man invited me to go at Toro Club, uh, where I joined and then I became a golf caddy. So while I was at Toro Club, I managed to carry golf bags for quite a long time, for about maybe three years. Mm-hmm. And while I was at Toro Club, many people tried to identify me some very good characters and some very good discipline which actually elevated me to be like the head of artisans. So artisans are young people who are allowed to play golf, but also they are supposed to be like doing some work for the club Mm -hmm. as part of the compensation for playing golf for free. So that's how most of the young people in Africa have made it to the top. Like they have always had an opportunity to carry golf bags and play golf for free. And in compensation, they do the work for the club. And that's the same journey I went through to be where I am today. So while I was at Torah Club and after doing the carrying of the golf bags, I was elevated from being a golf caddy to an artisan to a golf member. And as I stand right now, I'm an executive member of Torah Club. So at Torah Club, I'm the executive uh, member and I'm the outdoor captain. You've done uh, the full journey by the sound of it, Isaiah. Before you went to Caddy that first time, you said you knew nothing of golf. What yeah. is what is the image of golf? What is most people's experience of golf in Uganda? A lot of people in Australia don't play golf, and they think of golf a certain way, which we often say in golf isn't quite right. The image of the game is not quite right. What's the image of the game in Uganda? Golf in Uganda is not quite popular at all because if you look at the population of Uganda, which is 43 million people, we looked at a 
only to be 0.02% to be the only population playing golf, the only percentage to be playing golf. So the game of golf is not popular. The country has got uh, about 18 golf courses, but only 16 golf courses are active. And most of these actually 16, uh, most of them are actually centered in the central region, which where we have the capital city of Uganda. So the upcountry places don't have access to the game of golf. So the people who are actually playing golf are the people who are quite fortunate. The people who, when I say fortunate, I say people who have got some quite wealthy, they have got some very good money, people from the corporate institutions. And the people who are working for big companies are the ones who have got an opportunity to play golf. And at times, we see most of the times the game is played by the people who are like the Hoyts, who come to Uganda as tourists. They are the ones who have got the fortunes of money to play the game of golf. Yes, indeed. So in in terms of that, what is the access like? This sounds somewhat similar to how golf perhaps looked in Australia maybe 50 or 60 or 70 years ago. We had a very healthy caddy program, which is how a lot of people came to the game, introduced to the game by working as caddies. We don't have that anymore. Is that still the case in Uganda? Is that the way most people find a pathway into the golf, those who do? Yeah, the pathway to play golf is still a caddyship. And again, like not everyone can become a caddy now because things are really changing. Like to become a caddy now, you have got to register with a club. It's sometimes a quite of a bureaucratic process as well. So it's not for everyone really to access the game of golf in that way. Now, Zaya, this has clearly been a quite a big part of your life for quite a long time. You said it was 2003. How old are you now? So what, what percentage of your life have you been involved in golf now? Half of my life, I think I've been Half. in golf. Yeah, fantastic. And clearly you like the game, and more than like the game. We're going to talk about the Afraya Golf Academy shortly, which is something that you're involved with, which is a, a really important and interesting project. But for you, why did you take to golf, do you think? All kids like sport of some kind, most kids, football, baseball, tennis, whatever it might be. Why were you taken with golf? What appealed to you about golf? So the game of golf, I really, once I joined it, I found it to be like a game uh, of gentlemen. It's a game that can really train someone to become uh, a very nice person to the community because that has been something I have always wanted to do, like to have a game that can help me to become socially, to become uh, a good person who can be in position to speak to each and anyone that I feel like I want. So that's the game of golf, and that's why I've always wanted to see, like, I want to be part of this game of golf. And what about your own game? I imagine you're a good player. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I play handicap three, uh-huh. and I had lowered it to, to okay. actually to two. But because of my work schedule now, I have... It has gone up to <laughs> four and five. Like all, like all of us, is I. There's never enough time for golf. Everything else gets in the way. In terms of the playing of the game, what appealed to you about playing golf? Were you good straight away or were you one that had to work very hard to get good? Coming into the game of golf, it wasn't easy for me. So playing it, it wasn't really very easy. But once I started like capturing and learning from my other fellows uh, who were at the club by then at Toro Golf Club, I found it very easy and I managed to capture most of the very good skills, which made me to be a very good player. But I didn't go through any academy because it never existed at Toro Club. So I was learning by looking at what other people were doing by then. Yeah. So it was quite easy because I had that opportunity to learn from my friends. And bef- just before we talk about the academy, which I think is the most important thing that, that you're sort of doing, what's the golf course like in, you're in Fort Portal, I think is the city that you're in. What's the golf course like, the Toro Club that you remember at? So it's, it's quite a very interesting golf course. I must say that it's quite a, uh, it has got a, a very challenging, I must say, hole. So, uh, the landscape of the golf course is very interesting. It's not a flat golf course. So you have got to go up and down all through the nine hole. So it's a nine hole golf course, a pass 20 where I've got to play, uh, the very amazing holes. And of course, they are only nine holes. So you've got to repeat them to make 18 holes. Mm-hmm. But very interesting golf course in the city of Fort Porto. Nothing wrong with nine-hole golf courses as I. There should be more of it, I think, in some ways. Tell me about the Afraya Golf Academy. We see a lot about this on Twitter. You've been very active on social media and done a very good job of promoting the academy and what it is that you're doing. For those who might not have seen it, tell us what the Afraya Golf Academy is, when it started, and what are the goals, what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, so the whole inspiration behind the founding of Afria Golf Academy, actually, uh, it's all about how I came into the game of golf. 
I looked at my journey of playing golf, like how I used to walk about 70 kilometers to come and carry golf bags, how I used to carry golf bags, how I used to be an artisan, how I was managing the young boys and girls at Toro Club. And looking at all these things I was doing, I was like, I don't think there is any other person who will have the same opportunity I've had for him to also play the game of golf. So I was like, I need to find a way of how I can be in position to start up a program that can enable young people from all walks of life to play the game of golf. Because it's, I must say, uh, I don't need to call it like unfortunate. I come from a, uh, a family that is not uh, rich at all. So I'm the only golfer, I must say, in my family. And I need to bring more members from my family <laughs> to play golf. However much I'm trying to encourage as many people as I can. I think it must be a fast focus also to bring some of my family members to play golf. So I'm the only golfer in my family. But I've done my best. I've always wanted to see as many people as I can playing the game of golf. Girls, boys, disabled, anyone must play the game of golf. And that has been my thing. And that's what made Afria. So even before starting the Afria Golf Academy, the first thing was to do a consultation with other players, do a consultation with environmental related organization, do some bit of studies with other education-related institutions because I really wanted Afre to be a holistic program that could bring all the needs of the people from uh, underprivileged families to access the game of golf with ease and also make them prosper in life. And that's what really made our mission because the mission of Afre says we, are, we challenge the underserved youth and children to prosper in life by instilling character development, life skill through the game of golf and education. And these are the things that made me to be who I am today because I've been able to study and achieve all my academic qualifications, not because my parents paid a lot of money for them. I don't think my parents paid. I think they last paid for me when I was like in primary six. So all has been like from the friends, family, and mostly from the friends in golf I've met. So I've not regretted why I really joined the game of golf. And these are some of the opportunities I'm trying to pay forward to the people who actually try to help me. I never bought my first kit of a golf club. So the first three golf clubs I got, uh, they were from a friend of mine called JB Tumusime. So I was getting for him and he, he managed to see that like, he had the passion for the game of golf and he offered me three irons. Uh, I had like a pitching wedge. I had a seven iron and like a five iron. That's how the game of golf really started. And then I started with all three iron. This is the same approach my colleague actually uh, keeps uh, promoting from Australia. So like having maybe one club or having two clubs, you can get a game from there. Your friend of mine, that's Sandy I mean. Jamison, is who you're referring to, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sandy Jamison. Yeah, one club. So yeah. it's the same way. Maybe mine was like three clubs, yeah. but it's the same where I got into the game of golf. So after that, uh, coming in into the game of golf, we're trying to promote the game of golf in Africa in the same approach. But of course, we're not saying we're promoting the club, the academy using one club, but we're trying to make the game accessible to each and everyone because there's a very big fear. Like the game of golf is a game for the rich. Mm -hmm. accessing any golf club is quite very expensive because you've got to pay the membership, which is not easy. You have got to pay the registration when you're going to enter the club. You've got to pay the subscription. I've got to pay, to pay for the green fees. I've got to pay for the tournament fees. Oh, that's not easy for any commoner in a country like Uganda or any other developing country, I must say, because it's not something easy. And that's why we are trying to do our best to change the mindset. The first thing we did when we were starting the academy is to change the mindset of so many people who are out there saying the game of, the game of golf is for the rich. However much we know the game of golf involves some bit of cost, like of buying the equipment, of buying the clubs, buying golf balls, buying tees, but facilitating the coaches is not something that can be done by anyone, but something we are doing our best to ensure we enable everyone to play the game of golf. So I normally say we are ordinary people but trying to do things in an extraordinary oh, way. Everyone. So we're using all our all our commitment to ensure like everyone plays the game of golf, no matter the background where these people come from.
it sounds like you're doing something quite similar. You face a lot of the same issues that we do in the Western world. Golf has an image that it is for rich people. We know the truth is that it's not necessarily just for rich people here in Australia, though that may be somewhat true in Uganda. So where did the children who join the Golf Academy come from? Who are the members? So the people who come to play the game of golf, especially the kids, they come from different places because Afria Golf Academy is now not only a Toro club, but we are in Masindi and we are looking forward to extend our academy program to all the golf clubs of Uganda, but maybe and, and the entire of Africa because mm-hmm. our model of Afria does not actually limit us to work with any organization or any golf club. So all we do is to open up our opportunities to partner with the golf clubs and agree with them on how we can introduce a junior golf program into their golf club. And this is all aimed at helping the kids of that existing golf club. So it's like something we're trying to do to ensure like everyone plays golf. Golf should be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so the kids come from all walks of life, I must say. They come from all places. So we don't have like a very, a very like defined, uh, age category we say like this one must be coming from here this one must be coming from this type of a family no so it's an open academy for everyone to join and as we said like we also look at a target of getting kids from four years to 22 years because we believe with that age category we're in position to transform the lives of those young people into better persons in life Mm. people who don't play golf Desire. They look at golf from the outside and they think of immediately Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and Minji Lee and Jin Young Ko. They think of professional golf and golf being played for money. They're not the things that feels to me like you're promoting through the Afraya Golf Academy or that you yourself feel you've got from you. And the playing of the game in some ways is the least important part. Is that true? Yes, that's very true. But again, it's something we're trying to change uh, from so many people because even uh, in Uganda or anyone in Africa I think when you're playing golf they expected they expect you to be like a golf pro they expect you to become to turn pro after maybe a very short time but that's not how things should really be flowing we need to look at this game of golf to be like sometimes a recreational game or it should be like a social game whereby if I want to discuss anything with my friend Joseph so I can just say like man let's go and play the game of golf while we are discussing about our next podcast our next uh, project to do and that's how we have tried to change the mindset but of course Tiger Woods remains one of the most influential person uh, we have here on the continent of Africa where everyone look up to like I want to be like Tiger Woods I want to be like Mark Roy I want to I want to be like Gary Player. These are some of the players who I really looked at and everyone would want to be like them. But of course, being like them means a lot. It's not about just admiring them. These guys had to do a lot to be who they are right now. What they did, they had to do a lot. Like if you look at the life of Tego, those guys they spend a lot of time in the gym. They spend a lot of time actually trying to play different shots on the range. They have done a lot of work to be who they are. And this is what it really requires for everyone. If you want to achieve something, you must commit your all to be who you want to be. Isaiah, what do you see? And, of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be like Tiger Woods or to be like Rory McIlroy. That's perfectly legitimate. And I imagine you have some quite talented young people who come to the academy and who may well go on to become successful professional players, which would be wonderful to see. What are the other lessons and perhaps the more important lessons that, that you think though those kids learn? And what's the feedback from them about what they are taking from golf? Yeah, so as a free golf academy, we really have our values as an academy. So some of our values are academic excellence, uh, environmental sustainability, uh, about friendship. So it's not just about playing golf, but it's all about having an opportunity to play the game of golf. But of course, I didn't need to also answer your question of saying it's not bad to admire of becoming tagged. Yeah, that's quite very good. And we have kids here in the academy who have already made it to the national team. We have already have kids who are really playing handicap zero, handicap four, and they are doing amazing work. They might be maybe much better than Tiger Woods in the very near future. 
because things are quite changing and then we should look at how we can grow people who can play better than Tiger Woods, people can play better than Gary Player, people can play much better than any other person. But what it takes to really groom these young people to be there is something that we are trying to do here as a Freya. And a Freya is not an individual, but we are a team of so many people that are working in different ways to ensure like we bring these guys to the scene. We bring these people to where they should be to ensure like they play the best golf. Because golf brings in a lot of opportunities. If you look at, I've been actually trying to study about sports in Africa and trying to see, for example, in Uganda and South Africa. In Uganda, someone who is earning a lot of money is keeps, uh, it is a young, uh, there are a few athletes who are really earning lots of money from their talents. But if you look into countries like South Africa, like Anwell, uh, Enels, she has about maybe like a hundred million dollars from just being uh, a sports person. And that's quite a lot of money. That will fund, I think, the whole year for the entire country of Uganda. <laughs> yes. That's I a lot no of money. About that. It's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of... Is I, but... But back to the question, like, which other things are we offering to the kids when they come to the academy? So we have tried really to focus on education because maybe I'm not a very good golfer, but I've been able to use my few education qualifications to bring more people into other opportunities that are into the game of golf. And you can use golf to uh, the opportunity of playing golf to tap into more of education. So if you're playing very good golf, you can earn scholarships from different colleges and then you achieve your full potential of whichever line you want to take in life. Golf, of course, is, uh, is not just a game perhaps a smaller industry in Uganda than here in Australia and America and the UK and some of those places. But golf is an entire industry, a whole business. You can be involved in golf and make your living from golf without being very good at golf quite easily. Greenkeepers, people who manage golf facilities, uh, business people who are involved in the game, in the selling of clubs, inventing clubs and those sorts of things. There's, there's a multitude of reasons why golf can be a whole-of-life experience, isn't there? And are you finding amongst the youngsters that come through the academy, interest that perhaps they didn't know they had in areas of the game they didn't know existed, not just the no notion of playing the game. Yes, I strongly agree. It's a very big industry where people can earn from it differently. There are people who are writing stories about golf. They're earning lots of money from that. There are people who are working in tough management. They're earning lots of money. So all these opportunities have been open to these kids who come into the academy. So they are learning much more than they expect when they come here. And this is what we're trying also to do, like share their stories with the outside world by writing about them and what they think about the game of golf. So I really strongly agree the game of golf is quite an open industry that can benefit each and everyone depending on how that person is in position to earn from it. Tiff-tough hybrid Bermuda means less work and more play. Tough by name and by nature, this turf variety supplied exclusively by Lawn Solutions Australia is the perfect choice for your home lawn. With superior drought tolerance, speedy recovery and toughness, Tiff Tough really is the smart grass. For more information and to find your nearest accredited supplier, head to lawnsolutionsaustralia.com.au. Now, of course, as I, none of those lessons will be learned if the kids don't have fun when they come to the academy, especially at first. Those who want to be serious about the game will start to work at it, and I think it changes into something different. How do you make sure that the game is fun for them when they first come to the academy to try the game, perhaps for the first time? So uh, our process is quite very simple. We have made the game to be like simple, fun, and easy to play. And that's what makes the kids fall like so much in love with the game of golf. What we normally do is when the kids report, we first introduce them to all the courses, to all our teams. And then after that, we introduce them to the facility. We show them people who have been playing golf, what they've been able to do. We show them different stories and we tell them different stories that inspires them to fall in love with the game of golf. And then afterwards, we roll them to the range where we give them some bit of techniques on how to play the game of golf. And thereafter, we also give them uh, the theory part of the game of golf, because if you also try to give them a lot of 
practical work, sometimes they can get tired of that. So you've got to incorporate the two together and then make sure they are all quite easy and flexible for them. Yeah, let them play and fall in love with the game and then they will want to get better. They'll come seeking the technical advice when they realize that they're not achieving the things uh, the things that they want to. What sort of reaction have you had from the kids and have you been surprised or have any of those youngsters been surprised or told you they were surprised how much they liked the game that it wasn't what they thought it was? Yeah, I have received so many messages of surprises on how the kids have really like fallen in the game of golf because most of them when they're coming to play play the game of golf, they first complain like, this game is quite very hard. For example, by telling the kids how to grip the club, that's one of the most difficult parts you'll experience. They'll say, no, I should put in the, the left hand first and the right hand. So you find like you really need first like show them why they should do them. They should do the way you want them to do it. And then after explaining and then after trying it a little bit for like a day or two, and they feel like, yeah, this is the right thing. And we have seen other players doing the same way. But of course, gripping the club, sometimes people feel like that's the wrong way. And of course, they're young people as I, so they already know everything. You don't need to teach them anything because they already know everything, don't they? Just ask them and they will tell you that they know everything. <laughs> I'm making a joke, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Isaiah, did you meet and have you met and do you continue to meet any resistance within golf in Uganda to what it is that you're doing. These same issues you're outlining, we have here in Australia as well and in other parts of the world where golf is much more popular than it is in Uganda. Do you meet resistance? We meet lots of resistance to these kinds of ideas. I must say it has not come like on a silver plate. I've tried my best to ensure like people really understand our concept. It's not fighting uh, anyone and it's not about Isaiah. It's not about, for example, Joseph Chinua. It's not about an individual, but this is about the future of the game of golf. So the resistance has been there a little bit, but I think it has been well uh, overcome and it has been well received with good hearts from different organizations. So I believe there is a very good reception right now. So when you speak about Afria, so everyone would say like, yeah, we know what these guys are doing and whatever they're doing, it's for the good of the country. It's for the good of this uh, region. It's good for the continent of Africa. So of course, I believe for anything that is new, people have got to resist because whatever we are doing in Uganda is something that is new. No one was doing something that we are doing. So no one knew like, the academy is going to be focused at doing this and this and this. They never knew our benefits. But once we started rolling out some of our opportunities to these people by seeing how people were benefiting from the academy, the opportunities we were creating for kids to get further education, opportunities we were creating for people to access the game of golf. So people have come now to understand, like, we are here for the good, not for the bad, and... I think there is very good reception and we believe things will continue to flow better and better in the coming future. Once they really consume the concept in the way we do, so people will find it much more easier to work with us and not only in Uganda entire and the entire world. You mentioned that you first got involved in golf in 2003. You know, I, don't th I think you avoided telling us how old you are, Isaiah. How old are you, my friend? I'm 30 years. 30 years. So uh, uh, still a, a, a youngster, well, certainly compared to me. Have you seen much change in golf over that time? When did you start the Afraya Academy? And have you seen much in the way of change that perhaps that has started to institute? These things tend to move quite slowly, don't they? Particularly in golf, where we're very, we do cling to our traditions and we don't like to change. So, uh, I would need to say this, like, uh, Golf has been actually around Uganda than the country itself. If you consider October 9th, uh, 1962, when Uganda got her independence. So I think like not only like from 2003, but the game of golf uh, in Uganda has been not growing quite as fast as I thought it should be growing. So it has been quite slow, I must say that. And of course... For me as an individual, I have seen myself uh, a number of challenges that needs to be addressed if this game of golf is to really grow fast and meet and meet uh, what we think should be in position to reach where other countries at least are right now. If you compare 
our country with Kenya, Kenya is quite very far. You can't compare our, our country with South Africa. You can't compare our country maybe with Egypt or Morocco. Those countries are quite far because they have committed a lot. They have put in a lot of resources to ensure the game of golf really moves on to a higher level. And this is something that is bringing so many opportunities to these countries. It's not just a game, as we said in our just our concluded chat. Like It's more than a game, so it can bring much more than people think in every country. People who don't play golf think we're mad when we say that it's more than just a game, Isaiah, and I wonder sometimes whether you need to experience it to understand. And I'm sure you, like me, have met people who, I'll put it this way, I think there are two types of people in the world. There are golfers and there are non-golfers. And not all people who play golf I would call golfers, and certainly not all people who don't yet play golf would I say are non-golfers. There's something about golf that I feel is different to other sports. I imagine you've played other sports. I don't know what the popular sports in Uganda are. I imagine soccer is one of them. What are the differences you see at your level or from where you sit between golf and some of those those other sports or recreations? Yeah, so other recreations, uh, other sports like football, they are quite very popular in Uganda. And First of all, they are easy to play and they have got fortunes of infrastructure. If you look mm-hmm. at soccer, that's football. You can find pitches each and in each and every place, meaning anyone can also try to have an opportunity of playing golf. But also in football, all you need is to have like a boot oh. and have a ball to play. That's right. And you don't need, if you're 10, you need one, you need one ball. Yeah. And like in golf, if you want to play, you are 10, you need 10 balls. <laughs> yes. So everyone needs his, everyone, everyone needs his golf bag. Yes. So that's what makes it something to be very challenging. But Uganda is one of the very fortunate countries, I must say, in the whole world. Good weather. We can play each and every sport anytime we want here, all through the year. No winter here. That's why maybe we don't have a lot of indoor game, uh, maybe like the, Indoor, uh, maybe the ranges where people have got to play inside their houses or something of that kind. Because here we can do anything we want outside. It's a very, very beautiful country, I must say, in, in the whole world. But of course, the game of golf is quite challenged by the infrastructure in Uganda. Maybe even those which are existing are quite struggling. In my, where I'm staying in Fort Porter, I'm neighboring uh, one of the best golf courses called Kilembi Mines one of the longest golf courses we have here in the region of East Africa, but has gone through a lot to be where it is. Even right now, it's not at a very good a very good standard because it's quite very big and it needs a lot of resources to maintain it. So the members keep struggling to fundraise money to put it in a very good shape. But it will be one of the best courses which would actually try to put this country at a very high level. It can even attract tour players who could have... Tiger Woods and Macro is playing here at Kilembe Mines if the opportunity happened to have this golf course at a very high standard. What role, and I think you're probably in a unique position in this way, many, many years ago, a friend of the show here, Mike Clayton, talks about on television you would only see a couple of hours of the Open Championship perhaps. There was almost there was very little golf to be seen on television. Most of the information came from magazines and whatnot. What role does that professional golf, and we're seeing professional golfers in a very torrid time at the moment with the Live Golf Tour and those things, what role does it play in the game for your students at the academy? I must be very honest. I've not seen uh, anything much from any of the organizations coming on board to really support our efforts. And we have tried our best to share our development model. We have shared as many concepts as we should have shared our stories as many as we could have done. And I, my thing is I don't give up. So I will keep on sending as many documents as I can. I will keep on sharing as many stories as I can. But I believe they are seeing what we are doing and they know how good it is for the game of golf. And there is very good reception. I believe I've tried to engage R&A right now and they are quite very uh very supportive and very encouraging with the words, and I'm very sure they'll be coming on board to see what they can be able to do to support the game of golf and to support this initiative of the Afria 
the academy. What about the kids themselves? Though? Do they look up to the players? Is Rory McIlroy a hero for some of the players? Is Nellie Corder a hero for some of the young girls? Is there much interaction? Do they know much about professional golf? Do you get to see much of it on TV or in other ways in Uganda? So I don't remember the last time we really had uh, any tour player in Uganda. I don't think it has ever happened maybe in the history of this country of this country. And that's something we are trying to look up to right now and see if we could have any maybe synergies we can create with other organizations to bring uh, a tour player here. It could be Macro, it could be Tegels. But just having him into this country, it's a big inspiration. It's a big mindset for so many people. Like, yeah, Tegels is in Uganda. That's the person I've been looking up to for the last maybe 30 years. For the last 20 years, I need to see him. And then when this person is really like in Uganda, he can make a lot of changes. So that's something we are looking up to. And all we do in Uganda is to watch these guys on the screens. So you, you do get to see them. So you do get, obviously, you've got the internet there and a lot of coverage in that way. You can you can watch what's happening in professional golf and follow the game from Uganda. And that's where people dream, isn't it? Young kids see Tiger Woods or... Nelly Corder or Minji Lee or Rory McIlroy. I want to be like that. That's important, isn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah. We do that, yeah. So the kids follow that on the TV and other platforms as well. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I imagine, uh, Isaiah, that in Uganda there are lots of programs in lots of different industries and sports and those kinds of things uh, to try to inspire kids and help kids along with education. Why golf, do you think? What what makes golf uh, the ideal path, and why did you sort of choose golf to try and do this work through? Does that make sense, the question I'm asking? I imagine there's lots of people working in lots of ways in Uganda to try and solve problems of poverty and a lack of education and those things, but clearly you believe you've committed your life to trying to do it through golf. I guess that's what I'm asking. Well, why? Yeah, so for me, I saw like golf is really something that is gentle and it's something that you can use to help the young people to get to where they should be. Yeah, football is quite, could have been one of them, but football has got its own problems. It's quite a very competitive game for sure. I must say that for anyone to go and meet his dreams in football, it's not quite easy at all. But I thought golf could be one. And of course, golf was so much neglected in so many ways. It wasn't in schools as it should have been. There's no school golf program that is really running consistently. There's no golf league maybe in schools. And these are things we are working on to ensure like once we have them put in place, we shall enable young people to go through the golf program to achieve their dreams, maybe by becoming doctors, by becoming environmentalists, by becoming whichever career they want to take on with their lives. Yeah. I agree with you. I think golf's uniquely placed. It teaches you a lot of things that have got nothing to do with your score and a lot of things to do with life. You know, golf can be sort of quite unique in that way. You mentioned already that the Afraya Academy, the model has been adopted in some other places. What are you trying to achieve? What would you like to achieve with the Academy? And just perhaps outline for us quickly, briefly, the structure of the Academy, how it works. So uh, what we're trying to achieve with, a, with an Academy, we have got a number of things we want to do but we have like one vision our first vision in telling us produce a pga player from the afraya golf academy and this won't come like as is as anyone might think outside there because we've got to look at the infrastructure we have as an academy so we've got to put in place some bit of infrastructure we've got to set up uh, a number of programs that can help us to train these kids at the level maybe on how these kids in other countries are being trained if you look onto the continent of Africa, I don't know how many two schools we have for golf. And this is something that is quite challenging because most of our kids don't know, like, after this stage, where should I go? If I want to go to the play, for example, on the PGA Tour, which uh, pathways am I supposed to go through for me to get there? So getting access to play on the PGA Tour is very difficult because getting the card is not so easy. So we've got to have a number of programs we can create here in Uganda, but by starting with the infrastructure for the academy, and once we have created the infrastructure, we can be in position to start training the kids the way we should be and providing the kids with all the technical aspects of the game as they should be 
to enable us to achieve that. But other than that, we are looking at at least giving a lot of education to as many kids as we can into the game, to the game of golf and to this, in this country and then enable them to study from either Uganda, but also if there are chances, take them out. But taking them out is not the main priority here. If you have the infrastructure, for example, if you have a golf school in Uganda that can provide the services that are being provided in the U.S., there is no reason why we should have our kids going to the U.S. Let them keep in Uganda, grow the game of golf in Uganda, play in Uganda, go out, make money, and then come and develop, come and transform your families. And what about the structure of the academy? How does it work? You mentioned before that you sort of go to the clubs and, and, and have a proposal that you put to the club to become a part of the academy. What is the structure? How does it work? How, how regulated is it? Is it certain days of the week? How does it actually work in practice? Yes. Yeah, so uh, what we normally do, we have different programs for different golf clubs. But as of course, maybe we need to begin with the structure of the academy. So the academy has got the patrons, has got the people who are the trustees, it has got the management has got the management, and then it has got the people who do the daily work of the academy. So we really have a very good structure that manages the whole system of the academy, and we all respect each other's roles, and that's why we are really growing quite very fast. In a very short time, we have been able to shoot as many of our goals as we could have, no one could have thought of. And how many kids do you know so far? have been through or are currently going through or part of the academy? And what would you like that number to be maybe in five years' time? So uh, first of all, right now I've been able to produce a, a national team player. And then there afterwards, we want to see ourselves now going at least having our kid like winning uh, one of the uh, one of the top uh, African championships, mm-hmm. like maybe the Zone 6, one of the biggest tournaments we have here in on the African continent. But we also love to see some of our kids participating like in the Shan Shua tournaments, which are in South Africa. So those are some of the goals we need to see happening in five years. Mm-hmm. And of course, success of students of the academy as they succeed, the academy takes um, momentum from that too, doesn't it? And then people, more people want to be involved with the academy because they can see the end result of the work that you do. Yes, that's true. So we really welcome people from different organizations and companies to partner with us and make sure we try to create more impact yeah. on the lives of so many young people. Now, Zaire, I hate to bring up the uh, undignified topic of money, but none of this stuff runs itself. It's not free. How do you fund the academy? And can people, if they're interested, golfers from around the world, help you to do that? I know the answer is yes, but I'd like you to tell us how and why that's important. Yeah, so there are so many ways for on how people could come on board to support us. First of all, we look at maybe people who will be able to support us with equipment. Those could be golf clubs, there could be golf gloves, there could be go- golf bags, there could be tees, there could be golf balls. So looking at what may be an industry, what that company is offering, something that they could come and bring on board. Of course, we could also give our best uh, back by looking at maybe visibility, but by also looking at maybe opportunities of maybe how these kids, whenever they gr- they grow old in the game of golf, whenever they become stars, they could put something as a mark to to commemorate maybe all your support you've been giving this academy. So the academy has been really getting support from my personal resources. So I've been supporting this initiative from my own savings right from its the day one up to where it is right now, it depends on my personal resources. But I've been so quite fortunate sometimes to get some support from a few generous individuals. So they've been able to support us with some bit of golf clubs, like Mizino once supported us with three go- sets of golf clubs. That was quite very fortunate to, to get from them. And then we have had some bit of individuals who are really supporting us to get on this rolling. Of course, not forgetting maybe like organization, the extent of Gravity Golf, which has been supporting our academy coaches by skilling them much better on how they can be able to train the kids. So that's something we really don't take for granted. Yeah, it's um, it, it's difficult, isn't it? You, as you laid out earlier, there are so many facets to golf, so many areas that need to be addressed just to be able to get somebody to start to play golf and to enjoy it. It's sort of difficult, difficult to know how. As I, in the future, uh, I imagine that 
Okay, let me back up. Let me go now there. I wanted to ask you something else first. How important is social media and the internet? How important has it been so far? And how important do you think it will be for the academy and for golf in Africa generally uh, as we sort of go forward? What you've been able to do in the last year or two, I see you on Twitter. I imagine you're also active on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all those other channels that are available. It would have been very difficult to achieve much of the, many of those things 10, 15, 20 years ago. How important has that been? And what lessons have you learnt about how to use those tools to try to get to where you're trying to get to? So uh, I must say social media is really quite very important, I must say, in my life and to the project because it has made life quite much more easy. It would maybe have taken me so many millions to travel to the U.S. to meet the people I've been chatting with. So social media has made it much more easy for me to interact with all these people in the U.S., in Europe, in Australia, to share with them our story. And they have been able to take our stories to where maybe we really wanted our message to reach. So without uh, without uh, a lot of maybe effort, we have been able to use our social media to hit some of the areas with very limited resources because it would have needed me to have some very good millions from Uganda to travel to to Scotland to meet maybe the people in Scotland to share with them what a phrase all about. But through social media, we've had opportunities from the friends of friends who have pushed our work to reach, for example, like Scotland. We have had opportunities from social media for people to take our work to reach in the UK, governing bodies about our work. We have taken our work to South Africa. We have taken our work to as many places as no one else could think about. And what have you learned personally about how to use social media to achieve some of those goals? My background, I'm a print reporter. I used to cover news for newspapers. That's sort of what we used to do. And there was a craft in that. You learn what sells, for want of a better term, producing content that people want to look at. That's a whole training for a whole other job that you've had almost by accident, I would imagine, as I am. So uh, I must say the output from what we have been able to reach through social media has not been big because we haven't really gotten uh, like so many big things. But we have received uh, like there are a few people who have seen our work on social media and they have been able to donate like shoes. They have been able to donate a few things. But we believe with the continuous content production, we shall try to uh, influence much more than how we are doing it right now and reach a bigger audience than we are doing it right now. And by doing that, maybe we might meet maybe an investor to invest in our program to meet our mission and vision. That's what I really believe in. Yeah, I'm not sure the quality of the production is necessarily the key. I think it's the stories you have to tell. And I think all of us as golfers, particularly as we get older, we look at those videos and the pictures of those young kids playing golf in Uganda with the smiles on their faces. And there's something very powerful about that. I think it connects with people who felt that joy themselves. And to see it in others is a very powerful thing and um, sort of makes you want to know more about about what's going on. It's a wonderful thing you're doing. Tell people how they can help Isaiah. We'll put some links to these things in the show notes as well. But what are some of the simple ways? I imagine money is probably one of the easiest ways and what other ways people can maybe help you to help these young young people who are coming through the academy uh, to learn and to achieve some of their dreams? Yeah, so for people who are really uh, passionate to support our mission, they can donate to us through our website. So our website has got an option where someone can donate directly. We have a giving away platform. So someone could go there and then donate to the academy. And then if you have done that, it would be nice to really get your email and then really... Re- reply to you uh, uh, appreciating you for the donation and then do other things that we could do really to appreciate all your kindness for donating to the academy. But that's one way. But another way we've been trying to work with, we have friends who have partners in different places in the world. So maybe if someone is in the UK, if you could reach out to some of the friends in Three Hammers Golf Academy, they are our partners. So and say maybe you want to donate to the academy. So that could be quite another possibility of getting in touch with them and then they could deliver to us that kind of check to us. And we're trying also to look at other different partners in different parts of the world whereby the check can go through them to get to us. And then by doing that, you'll get like a tax deduction 
So those are some of the things we are working on as an academy. And the US, we are having people like Kayon. Uh, maybe I'll share her details later. Then if you yeah. could discuss with her, she can get the check or the money delivered to the academy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it is not you that should be thanking the rest of us as I, it is the rest of us who should be thanking you. There are certain people in golf whose passion does wonderful things for the game and to bring others to the game, and you are certainly one of those people. It's been fantastic to talk to you today. Good luck with continuing to grow the academy, and I hope that many of the listeners to the podcast will make an effort, if they haven't yet, to have a look at the work you do, to follow you on Twitter and perhaps check out some of your Instagram and Facebook posts and just see... What a fabulous job you are doing. Under, it must be said, difficult circumstances. We all have our difficulties, but I can't imagine how much harder it is to be fighting the good fight in golf in Uganda compared to here in Australia. I get tired in Australia of having these discussions with people. I can't imagine how you feel, but it's been fabulous to chat to you today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Rod, for hosting me here. It has been a great pleasure for me being on this very podcast and... I continue to wish everyone the very best in wherever they are, and I look forward to continue chatting with you in all uh, the different platforms, wherever we could meet, and then share our stories and share the ways on how we can, we can continue growing the game of golf and making it accessible for each and everyone, regardless of the age, regardless of the color, regardless of anything. So we all need to play the game of golf and benefit in different ways uh, so thank you so much, Rod, for having me on this very not podcast. At all. I, I think thank you so much for the good work you're doing for the world. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Thank you, Azai. It's been great to catch up. That's it for episode 75, but make sure you've followed the pod because on our next, John Huggan has a real treat in store when he interviews an old friend and the woman who caddied for Wayne Riley at the 1991 Australian Open. Um, and I didn't say that Almby's an amateur and you, you kind of got this in the back, you know, mm. but... But as a caddy, I'm definitely yeah. thinking... He was a pretty special amateur, by money. the way. Well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but in terms of mm. the prize money, yeah. it's yes. going to be radars. You, you know, yeah. And I'm a caddy. I'm thinking about You're my thinking 10%. Money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and he obviously could, could tell, and he said, I want to win this. I, you know, it's, yeah. I'm not coming second, amateur or, mm. or anybody. That's Lindsay Gardner, next time on The Thing About Golf. Golf.